0: Blue wire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Rebuild. I'm Henry Ettinger, joined by a very special guest, Stephen Haglund from Guilty as Charged to preview this matchup. Stephen, how are you doing on this Wednesday afternoon?
1: I'm doing good, man. Really excited to talk about this Chargers team, the Browns team. It's a, a very fun matchup on paper. A lot of fun matchups uh, to talk about, and I can't wait to get into it with you.
0: There is a lot of, of juicy storylines in, in this game, and I want to start uh, on the offensive side of the ball with the the Chargers' quarterback in Justin Herbert, and, and with the yeah. play caller as well in Joe Lombardi. Herbert has been arguably, you know, a, a top five quarterback so far this season, and I, I don't think that's, you know, uh, really even that controversial to be honest, Uh, and he was great as a rookie last year, but it seems like he's taken even another step up this year. What is different uh, about this offense this season as opposed to last season?
1: Well, I think the biggest thing that Joe Lombardi has brought to Justin Herbert's game and and the Chargers as a whole is it's it's really kind of unlocked him as an intermediate passer because if you watch the Chargers last year, it was a lot of – kill shots and a lot of screens, short passes. There wasn't really a whole lot of, you know, singles and doubles going on, or rather doubles and triples, if you will. Um, It was a lot of singles, a lot of home runs. And and it worked to an extent. Obviously, he put up a a ton of numbers last year. But the, the biggest issue that the Chargers had last year in offense is that their first down and second down, you know, EPA efficiency, whatever you want to call it, was really, really bad. And so it took a lot of Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen heroics on third down. Um, and it worked to an extent, like I said, you know, he put up a ton of yards, ton of touchdowns, broke a lot of records, but it wasn't maximizing his, you know, down to down ability and potential. And I think that's the biggest thing that Joe Lombardi has brought to this team. Um, they're using Mike Williams and Keenan Allen in you know very effective ways to, you know, help them make sure that they stay ahead of the sticks and they're not in third and eight, third and nine all the time um that's been the biggest area improvement in justin herbert obviously he still has the arm strength still has the mobility but it's just that he's being you know more calculated taking more doubles and triples and that's really helping the offense as a whole
0: and you brought up third down and that's where i want to go next the chargers the last two years have been one of the best teams on third down herbert was so good last year everybody was Saying you know that can't possibly continue, and he's he's been great again this year. I was looking right. at the third down numbers, and they're really really strong again. The Browns last year really struggled to get off the field in third down. They really struggled the first couple weeks to get off the field in third down. They've been better the last couple weeks. But what do the Chargers do on third down that makes it so difficult for teams to get them off the field?
1: Well, to be honest with you, it's last year. It was a lot of just matchup based stuff. It was Keenan Allen in isolation or it was Austin Eckler in isolation, or Hunter Henry in isolation. It was a lot of just, you know, my guy is better than your guy, and whoever is open is going to get the ball. And, you know, Keenan Allen led the league last year in third-down conversions, and that really was that was Herbert's go-to. Like, it was, if we get to third down, I'm going to Keenan. And we saw that in week one, Keenan Allen had, you know, like six or seven third-down conversions, particularly on the last drive. But as Herbert has gotten a little more comfortable with everybody else around him, and it's been – You know, a little Mike Williams here, a little Jared Cook there, a little Austin Eckler there. And so they're really, you know, versatile in the kind of matchups that they can provide. And then the offense, which comes from the Saints offense, it's a lot of option routes. So it really gives, you know, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen and all these guys a lot of flexibility. And, you know, against the Chiefs, as an example, they were killing the Chiefs defense with with slants, just basic you know, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen is, is better than your guy. And we're just going to, you know, give it to him and go. And and then in the fourth corner, they, they took that. And, you know, the, the Chiefs started to uh, really kind of overplay towards the inside. And they hit Mike Williams on a couple sluggos where he kind of faked on the inside and went to a, a bit of a go route. And so there's a lot of flexibility built into this scheme, but you know, they're just really trusting Justin Herbert to take these one-on-one matchups and, if you double Keenan Allen, he's going to Mike Williams. If you double Mike Williams, he's going to Keenan Allen. And they're playing at a really high level. It, it honestly is, is pretty simple this year.
0: Well, and that's my biggest concern as a Brown supporter this weekend is those outside matchups. It's Denzel Ward versus Keenan Allen. It's you know probably Greedy Williams versus Mike Williams and, and, and vice versa. You know, those guys might flip-flop here and there. Greedy Williams played really well last week. But you know, throughout his career, he's been pretty inconsistent, and it doesn't seem like Greg Newsom's going to play. But Mike Williams, in particular, this season, you know, every time I turn on the Chargers, I feel like he is causing a a lot of problems for opponents. How does he complement Keenan Allen in this offense?
1: Well, what's been great this year is that Joe Lombardi is really using Mike Williams in in a variety of ways. You know, previous years, Mike Williams, it was a lot of Go routes, a lot of jump balls, um, and really that was like all he was. There would be sometimes where they use him as like a crosser, get him after the catch. But this year, Joe Lombardi is using him essentially as a number one receiver. You know, I think they, it's kind of a one A one B situation this year. You know, Mike Williams is doing a lot of slants, a lot of over routes, a lot of crossers again, and we haven't really seen him be utilized in a jump ball situation since week one he's still running some go routes like I mentioned earlier, but um, you know, that has been the biggest thing is that the way that he was playing was not really sustainable for his physical health because he was just always hurt because he's throwing his body out there to make these insane catches. So he compliments Keenan Allen very well. I think you know Keenan is a route specialist, that's that's his go-to. He's gonna beat you off the line and then he's gonna make you look silly, you know, in space. But Mike Williams is a bigger body, he's a yards after catch kind of guy. And if you don't tackle him right when he catches it, he's going to make you pay for you know 10, 15 yards after the catch just because he's so big and athletic. And they haven't really tapped into the jump ball situation very much either, uh, which I mentioned was was really his only calling card in previous years.
0: Well, and it'll be interesting to see if they tap into that this weekend. The Browns run with some smaller corners in Denzel Ward and Creedy Williams. Craig Newsome is a little bit more physical as a corner. But as I mentioned, you know, he's nursing a calf injury. Not sure that he's going to be able to go in this one. You know, they didn't yeah. put him on IR. He's missed one week. So there has to be some level of optimism that that maybe he could be back for this game. But so far, you know, recording to some Wednesday afternoon, no practices or, or any indication that he's going to be good to go in this one. I do think he would help the Browns a lot. But I also wanted to ask you about the offensive line because that was the big Story yeah. of the off for the Chargers is that hey they they have shored up this offensive line around Justin Herbert and the place I ha- I have to start is with the rookie left tackle Rashawn Slater yeah. I think Browns fans you know, uh, would argue that they've had some of the best production out of rookies with Jeremiah Moa and, and and Grant Delpit and Greg Newsom but you guys very well may have gotten the best rookie performance so far as well with with Slater at left tackle. However, he hasn't faced somebody that's Miles Garrett quite yet.
1: Well, there aren't many Miles Garrett's out there, right? Like he, that dude is a freak, and you know the bull rush that he put on the Vikings left tackle last week was just like that's some insane. That's an insane human being right there. Um. So yeah, you know when you and I talked on our podcast back after the Chargers drafted Rashawn Slater, and you know I could not have been more excited, and he's lived up to the hype you know, early on in training camp, there were videos of him beating Joey Bosa in one-on-one battles and in practice and doing some things like that. So they really made sure to kind of baptize him by fire in practice. Joey Bosa doesn't really rush from the left tackle all that much uh in games, but in practices in training camp, he was only rushing against Rashawn Slater. So I think they had a really good plan of attack and saying like, Hey, like these are the kind of dudes that you're going to go up on a week to week basis. And they, they helped prepare him. But He's been awesome, and you know you're right. He hasn't really faced anyone like Miles Garrett in practice, but you know he's or in games rather, excuse me. Um, but he's gone up against Chase Young, Montez Sweat, Yannick Ngakwe, Max Crosby. So there have been some very good pass rushers, obviously not to the level of a uh, Joey Bosa or Miles Garrett, but he's been awesome, man. He's only allowed six pressures right now through four games, zero sacks. He's making a very very positive impact in the rush in the run game too. So. He's been borderline dominant, and I think he has exceeded expectations. Like I expect him to play at a high level, but uh, he has been awesome to watch this year.
0: Yeah, I feel like that podcast after the draft, we were both pretty high on him. And, yeah. I, and I pointed this out, as, as Browns fans who are also Ohio State fans may remember, that, that Rashawn Slater played Chase Young in college and, and dealt with him very well in, in that game, even though the Western got smoked. Uh, but it, that has translated over to the NFL. You mentioned Max Crosby. he's He's been the highest-graded uh, defensive end on PFF so far this season. Uh, right. you know, for, for what that is worth, you know, it is at least one metric where, where people are watching the tape and saying he's been that level of player and, and Slater's dealt with him. So that is right. going to be a, a fun, fun matchup to just keep your eye on throughout the game. Who wins it? You know, can Garrett get the best of him at, at any point? But I think... The matchup that will ultimately determine you know, the outcome of the game is probably on the other side of the offensive yeah. line with the right tackle position. Brian you know, Belaga was slated to play there for the Chargers, but it sounds like things haven't gone as planned there. So what are the Chargers going to be rolling out at a right tackle against the Browns, and how are you feeling about it?
1: Um, it's been kind of a mess with Brian Belaga. They signed him off of the Packers, obviously. Um, you know, I'm sure your listeners are familiar with him and, you know, they signed him a year after he had played all 16 games for the Packers. And, um, unfortunately he just has had injury after injury. And last year, uh, he played like 35% of the team snaps and, you know, he had a back injury, an ankle injury, a knee injury, an elbow injury. And Missed a game because of food poisoning. So it's been a it's been a rough experience with Brian Bulaga. Um, last year they tried to to kind of supplement hit that loss with uh, a guy named Trey Pipkins, who was a former third round pick out of Sioux Falls, uh, very much a developmental tackle prospect kind of player. Um, he's been surpassed this year by a guy named Storm Norton, who is going to be getting the start. Uh, former XFL player, former undrafted free agent. So they haven't really done a great job of supplying the right tackle backup spot in Brian Belaga's absence. Storm Norton has been okay. Like he he did have a very rough outing against Micah Parsons, but you know, there was no film on Micah Parsons. It's hard to really have a plan of attack on somebody that there's no film. So we we kind of gave him a little bit of uh, a little bit of slack for that performance, but He's been okay, very up and down. You know, this is essentially his rookie season because he he does has never been a starter. So um he'll have his moments for sure. You know, he 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 got Max Crosby a couple times. Max Crosby got him a couple times. But it, it definitely is an advantage that I worry about. Uh, and I think a lot of Chargers fans are worried too. But he's, you know, people on Twitter always overreact to everything, right? But you know, the reality about Storm Norton is that at his best he's probably okay and that's kind of been what he's been the case for the last few weeks
0: i do think that that's probably the key matchup but the browns you know defensive line is going to continue its success it is jadavian clowney has got to win that matchup and he has you know had a lot of success these last two weeks uh, against the right tackle of the vikings against the right tackle of the bears as well in weak points where you know, the Browns haven't necessarily needed him uh, because they've gotten home with other players, but he has uh, yeah. delivered in, in, in pretty much every way. Uh, it, the interior line, too, though, is a place where the Chargers upgraded, you know, with Packers, uh, former Packers players as well, and Corey Lindsley. Yeah. Uh, they've got a couple of, of fantastic guards in there. I, I did notice when I was looking ahead of the game uh, that, that some of the run numbers are fantastic, for yeah. for those guys and some of the passing numbers are slightly lower than you might expect. Are you know are there any concerns uh, about how you know the the interior of the Chargers line has played so far this season?
1: Yeah, the, the rushing numbers have been very good, and you know the left side in particular is, is really where the Chargers are, are really kind of winning that kind of matchups right with Rashawn Slater, Matt Filer as the left guard, and then Corey Lindsay, the center, and those three really, really are, are playing at a very high level. Matt Filer, uh, former Pittsburgh Steeler too, so I'm, I'm sure your listeners are are at least kind of familiar with him. He, he played right tackle for them uh, in 2019 and then switched to guard last year. So he's a very tall guard, and because of that, he kind of struggles with pad level at times and pass protection. Um, really uh, cost him a couple times on Monday Night Football against the Raiders. It cost him against the Washington football team. Um, but if he's able to really hone in on that, he's he's been a very solid presence um, as a pass blocker, and he's been dominant as a run blocker. So he's a good guard. You know, he right now I think he's PFF's, like, number five overall guard. I think that will kind of balance out more to, like, the 10 to 15 range, but that's still a massive upgrade for the Chargers, and um, that really has been the story of this offensive line. odebushi is the other guard former Detroit lion, kind of a journeyman, you know, swing into your offensive lineman, uh, but he's been solid. And they needed that position to really just be a stabilizing force because they signed Trey Turner last year to be that. And then Trey Turner was never able to get healthy. He showed up to camp out of shape. was never really able to get into shape. Um, so Browns fans should be excited about that matchup down the road because he, like I said, he's on the Steelers now. Um, so the the interior has been definitely a stabilizing presence for this team, Um, but it's all led by Corey Lindsley, man. I think he is, you know, a top three center in the league. He's been fantastic, really helping Justin Herbert out, calling the protections and uh has just done a really fantastic job of being the leader of that unit. And, you know, he, he struggled a little bit against Deron Payne and um Jonathan Allen in week one, but he's been fantastic ever since. Really had a great game this last week against the the Raiders, too. So, um, yeah, it's been fun to watch this offensive line come together. And I think it is only only going to improve because they've only played four games together. Uh, Really three because Brian Blago played the first week. So, it's been fun to watch for sure.
0: I think it's going to be an absolute heavyweight matchup in the trenches on this side of the football. So, I can't wait. To watch it, if the Chargers are going to have success, is there a specific key or a specific matchup on the offensive side of the football that you think needs to go their way if they're going to win this game?
1: Yeah. I mean, really, it's going to be really interesting to see how they use Mike Williams and Keenan Allen in this one. I know they were able to win by two touchdowns kind of without them <laughs> against the Raiders, but, you know, ideally you're wanting to get, you know, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen around, you know, the 70, 80 plus yard range, you know, give them a, t- a touchdown or two between them. Um, so to me, that's the matchup that needs to be better this week for the chargers is they've got to be able to go back to their studs on the outside and let them kind of do their thing. Obviously, you know, Sean Slater versus miles Garrett is, is, is probably the headliner of the day. Like you said, I think it's a heavyweight matchup. If Slater is able to at least limit, you know, Garrett and and deal without, you know, getting him some sacks and things like that, you know, that will help because I think the Chargers will give Storm Norton some some uh, help on the right side against Odellie Clowney. But Slater's going to be on an island against Miles Garrett, and he's got to hold his own for sure. Let's let's
0: flip to the other side of the football, though. Uh, the Browns are led by an offensive head coach. The Chargers, of course, <laughs> hired a, a defensive head coach, one yeah. the, with Cleveland uh, Cleveland ties, uh, yeah, he's a guy. That started at John Carroll, which is about five minutes from where I grew up in Brandon Staley. But Staley, that last season with the Rams, I think really was known for, you know, a a conservative defense that really limited the big plays. That that really focused on, uh, you know, putting a a ceiling or a dome on the offense with, you know, keeping the safeties back and then having players come up and, and, and make plays. Is that uh, the same style he's brought to the Chargers so far this season?
1: It really is. Like, that's that's been the biggest emphasis so far, and that was the plan against the Cowboys. That was the plan against the Chiefs, and, and it's worked. And, you know, they're holding teams to, you know, way under their production in terms of points, and that, that's been Staley's biggest emphasis. You know, he's essentially daring teams to, uh, you know, take chunks as opposed to taking big bites, and so – you know he wants to put a roof on it, like you said, and that's been the that's been the the MO, which is is a good thing, obviously, but it does you know cause some concern, particularly in this matchup against you know Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, uh, and all the offensive line guys. So that's been the the kind of issue right now is that he's almost inviting teams to run, and you know the Cowboys and Washington and um, the Raiders not so much, but even the chiefs, like they were really able to exploit that and make things a little too uh, close
0: for, close for comfort. Yeah. So let's talk about that, that, because I think that's the the big story on this side of the football It is the, the chargers are, are 29th in run defense so far, if you're just looking at yards allowed, but some of that is certainly scheme based, right? I, I don't think anybody would argue with that, that, that the chargers didn't plan on being a top five or top 10 run defense this year. Is there anything though that that's you know uh, been a particular issue? Is it tackling? Is it just the execution, or is it just that hey the Chargers are going to run light boxes and live with the, the results of what teams are doing in the run game?
1: Um, they're definitely running light boxes, so some of it is scheme based, and, and you know we'll live with that a little bit. Um, but frankly, like so much of the offseason resources were dedicated towards fixing the offense. That Brandon Staley didn't really have a chance to get his guys. And so the this current group of defensive linemen, you know, they were all signed and and drafted to play a, a an aggressive, a gap shooting defense under Gus Bradley. And so it's been a it's been an adjustment for them. You know, I think Linval Joseph is obviously like he's a veteran player. Like he's been, you know, his same self in terms of, of stopping the run. But you know, the with Gus Bradley, they really focused on in on defensive tackles who could rush the passer, and so it, it's been an adjustment for them. You know, Jerry Tillery, their former former first round pick, um, like I said, mostly used as a pass rusher before this year. It's it's uh, he's taking some lumps uh, against the run. You know, he's taking on a lot more double teams this year just because of the scheme. Um, so, it, like I said, it is some scheme, it is some personnel, but like you do expect them to be better, and I think. Over time, they're not going to be the 29th worst run defense. I think it will improve. Um, one of the bigger issues actually was kind of their linebacker play because Kenneth Murray, um, for whatever reason, is not had not really been trusting himself. He's not really playing the aggressive kind of football that we had been used to. Um, obviously, he was a rookie last year, but he played really, really well throughout the season. But uh, he's injured now, and Drew Trankel has come in, former Notre Dame player. And he's been a revelation, man. Like, he's playing really high-level uh, high football right now. And honestly, like, it, it sucks to say this out loud, but, you know, swapping out Kenneth Murray, the former first-rounder, for Drew Tranquil is is kind of an upgrade because Drew Tranquil is just, frankly, more decisive. You know, He's able to trust his instincts. So linebacker have been kind of an issue, um, but, you know, they've got some young players in Tranquil and Kaiser White, who's the other one. And if they're playing well, the run defense has been much better. They like played great in the first week; run defense was much better. And then the last two weeks with Kenny Murray struggling, it was just kind of uh, a lose-lose situation for the run defense.
0: Well, you, you stole where I was going next with this, the <laughs> tranquil, because he he was uh, all over the field on on Monday night uh, against the Raiders, and I thought it was really impressive, especially as a pass rusher, but. How are the Chargers linebackers in coverage? Because you know, without Jarvis Landry, the Browns have definitely focused uh, on the tight ends. They they really always have as an offense. Kevin Stefanski loves to pass out of heavy personnel, two tight ends on the field, sometimes three tight ends on the field. So how you know how are those Chargers linebackers that kind of running with the tight ends in the intermediate spaces on the field?
1: Yeah, that's another area where unfortunately it's kind of, you know, addition by subtraction because Kenneth Murray was not very comfortable in those situations. Um, you know, Logan Thomas kind of, you know, gave him some work in the first, in the first week. Um, but Kenneth Murray and Ky- or Kenneth Murray, excuse me, uh, Drew Tranquil and Kaiser Wright are both former safeties, uh, in college and they've made the transition to linebackers in the NFL. And so they're very good coverage linebackers and, um, really good athletes, really decisive, like I mentioned. So, there, it's been a little inconsistent because they're so young. Kaiser White really isn't only in his second year starting because he was injured uh, most of last season and the year before that. and then tranquil broke his ankle on like the fifth play of the game or fifth play of the season last year. So very young players there will be some inconsistencies um If they're struggling with those inconsistencies th- in this game then it's going to be a tough one. but if they're on their A game, then I think the chargers will be able to uh, execute the kind of plan that they'll want to.
0: Well, and and of course, they have another neutralizer of tight ends in the back end in Derwin James as well. That that everybody listening to this podcast will be familiar with. But talk to me about the talent around Derwin James in that secondary, because I know uh, you know I've seen a lot of buzz around how Asante Samuel Jr. is playing. You know what's what's the back end of the Chargers' defense looking like through the first couple games?
1: Yeah, it's been you know very fun to watch. You know. Brandon Staley, Ronaldo Hill, and Derek Ansley, uh, the secondary coach, um, really you know connect with this unit because it's a ton of young players. You know the, They have Chris Harris, who, who obviously is a veteran, but he's kind of uh, been injured in and out of the lineup. Um, so it's a ton of young players. Michael Davis is a, is a former undrafted free agent out of Brigham Young, um, and this is his fourth season, his first year of a contract extension, and he's been really fun to watch. He's been kind of the, the press man. Uh, cover corner that Brandon Stigula likes to use. He's long, very fast, four-three speed. Um, and they actually used him to cover uh, Darren Waller and, Jordan, and Travis Kelsey quite a bit. Um, so that could be something to keep an eye on for sure in this matchup with Njoku and Harrison Bryant and all those guys like you mentioned. Um, other than Michael Davis, they've got Nasir Adderley is the opposite safety from Derwin James, uh, former second-round pick out of Delaware. He's been playing at a really high level this year. Which they needed. He missed his whole rookie season, uh, similar to your guy, Grant doublet with uh, I think it was a calf injury that really kind of just, you know, took a turn for the worst in training camp that year. Last year had a very up and down season. Again, not playing with Derwin James is very difficult. You know, Derwin will definitely uh overcompensate for some issues. But Adelaide is playing at a really high level, playing physical, playing fast, and that's been very fun to watch. And then Asante Samuel Jr., the rookie. Uh, defensive rookie of the month for the first season, had a couple interceptions against you know the Cowboys and the Chiefs, and he's been awesome to watch. He took some lumps this past week against the Raiders, particularly against Henry Ruggs, but um, he's just a playmaker, man. And the Chargers have not really had a corner like him, who just is able to get the ball and create turnovers, um, really since like Antonio Cromartie in the early 2000s. So he's he's been a really fun player to watch. Uh, he's been as advertised. I thought that he should have been a first round pick. Uh, obviously, very grateful that he wasn't. But you know, the, the Chargers secondary is very young, but they're playing really high level football right now. Rating turnovers, covering linebackers, covering tight ends and wide right receivers at a great level, and you know, accomplishing what Brandon Staley wants, which is you know limit those big plays and not get beat deep.
0: It's funny, there are a lot of similarities between this Browns and Chargers team in terms of the secondaries being young. Both teams relying on on some rookies uh, for some of their great performances so far this season. And another place where they're similar is they both have an elite pass rusher on the edge. And somehow we've gone this long talking about the Chargers defense without talking about (laughs) Joey Bosa, which uh, is a mistake because he is the straw that stirs the drink if you will. Uh, you know, through these first couple weeks, he, it seems like he's been just as dominant as ever, no?
1: Yeah, he's really playing at a high level. And and the biggest thing that we needed to see as Chargers fans in Joey Bosa's regard is you know Brandon Staley scheming up one on one matchups for him because the, the previous regime it was all about we're just gonna rush four. We're not gonna do a lot of you know creative blitzing or, or stunts very much was just you know our guy is going to be better than your guy and so joe ubosa under the previous regime was one of the most double teamed edge rushers in the league this year that's gone down quite significantly he's getting a ton of one-on-one matchups he has feasted on some you know inferior competition if you will he's played a couple of rookies alex leatherwood this past week he really <laughs> ate him up and then uh in the second in the third week against the chiefs uh, essentially a rookie lucas niang who opted out last year after being drafted uh in 2020 but you know he's playing at a very high level uh, against the pass and against the run. I think he's you know probably the most well-rounded edge rusher, uh, in the league because he plays the run so well. But he's he's been awesome to watch. And like you said, if Joey Bosa you know ever gets hurt, knock on wood, like this pass rush is not going to be the same because he is you know the the driving force. And he, he he's not getting the sack production that Miles Garrett is, or, or that T.J. Watt is, or Max Crosby. But he, you know in terms of pressures. And affecting the quarterback, you know, he really is playing at a high level.
0: Well, you brought up those names that he's feasted on the last couple weeks. Uh, you know, those guys being right tackles. And Bosa typically rushes from yeah. that side. But the Browns' biggest weakness is on the other side of the offensive line. Jed Wills has been really hampered with an ankle yeah. injury these last couple of weeks. Uh, you know, Chris Hubbard, it doesn't seem like he is in the plans to play, even if he is healthy. It sounds like the Browns are, are just going to ride this out with Jed Wills in, in the injury at this point. Do you, do, you know, do you expect Joey Bosa to flip to the other side of the football and try to attack Wills, or do you expect the Chargers to leave him on, on that side and attack Wills in other ways with some of the other pass rushers that they have?
1: Um, th- they move Joey around somewhat, uh, definitely more than you know the previous regime ever did but he still is taking like 65, 70% of his reps against the right tackle. Um, You know, they've started to um, mess around with this package where they'll put Drew Tranquil, Joey Bosa, and whoever the other edge rusher is on the same side as a way to get Joey uh, a one-on-one matchup, sometimes it's against the guard, sometimes it's against the tackle. Um, But for the most part, he does rush from the right tackle. He'll rush from the left tackle on occasion. Um, but really, on the left side, you're going to be seeing a lot of Uchenna and Wosu, number 42, former USC Trojan, uh, and Kyler Fackrell, who um, it was kind of their free agent in addition. He's been a solid presence, not necessarily making a huge impact, but he's good for a, a pressure here and a pressure there. He's had a couple sacks. Um, so really, from the left tackle spot, it's going to be Wosu and Kyler Fackrell.
0: Back roll, I, I, I've seen have a couple of really nice brushes and, and Jack Conklin on the right side for the Browns. I don't think has been perfect by any means, but it, he has looked pretty solid. You know, I would say of the two pass protection, he's slightly weaker than run blocking, even though he's played at a really high level these last couple of years for the Browns. He's definitely a masher first, so that will be an interesting matchup because he's going to have. His hands full. So I'll, I'll ask you the same thing on this side of the football. What's what's the key for the Chargers if they're going to have success against the Browns from the defensive side of the football?
1: Well, they've got to stop the run. And I think, you know, the the linebackers to me are the key really for this matchup and, and for the rest of the season. Like I said, you know, they, they've kind of struggled with some inconsistencies. But we've also seen a lot of good moments from them. You know, Kaiser White in the first game against Washington, he forced a couple fumbles. He forced a fumble against the Raiders this past week. Drew Tranquil has created uh, a good amount of pressure as a blitzer. So, to me, like, I- I'm fairly confident that Derwin James, you know, Joey Bosa, the rest of the secondary, they'll handle their own business. But to me, the linebackers and the, the interior of the, of the front seven has got to be able to figure out, How to limit the explosive runs from Nick Chubb and and Kareem Hunt in particular? You know, I I know that the Browns run a lot of screen action. Get your Kareem Hunt in space as a pass catcher, and they've got to be able to get him down on on first hit. You know, they 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 can't let him get going. Uh, And so, to me, that really is like the biggest X factor, if you will, is the linebackers continuing to play well and and not missing tackles.
0: For me, it's. It's actually something that we haven't even talked about yet, and that's going to be the Browns' patience on the offensive side of the football. They've shown an ability to have some really long drives so far this season, 15-play, 18-play kind of drives, but... I I mean, I just don't think there's going to be anything there deep for them. I don't think their receivers are are the matchup in this. That's going to be an advantage for them. I certainly don't think it's going to be the tight ends as they get deeper down the field against those safeties either. So, uh, you know, the Browns historically have been pretty patient, but I think Baker Mayfield in particular in the passing game has to be patient. He has to be okay with with taking check downs because uh, I think that's the only way the the Browns are, are really going to have success.
1: Yeah, and that's that's the way that this the Brandon Staley scheme is designed. Like it's designed to make you, you know, exhaust your resources in terms of, you know, 5-yard plays, 6-yard plays because his whole philosophy is that it takes a bunch of 5-yard gains to add up to a 50-yard, you know, touchdown catch. So, for him like he he's going to invite your team, whoever you are, this week the Browns to, you know, run the football and, you know, throw these check downs, throw these small gains. And then it's all about rallying to the tackle. And so far, you know, the Chargers have done a good job of rally tackling, but, you know, maybe Odell's able to pop a big play like that, that could, you know, you know, uh, prove, uh, to be something difficult that the Chargers struggle with is getting Odell down in space and getting Kareem Hunt in space. So, uh, it is going to be interesting to watch because I know that Baker at heart is a gunslinger. I know he really wants to, to sling the ball around, but if he is able to stay patient throughout the game, then I think the Browns, you know, will be able to move the ball. It's just about you know being calculated with taking those shots down the field and not being you know risky, not taking those uh, aggressive plays too often.
0: Before we go, I do want to ask you a, a kind of a broader question, not offense, not defense, and it is about the, the head coach because I think. Yeah. For years, the the label with the Chargers has been they, they find a way to screw it up in late game situations, and yeah. I think we both expect this game to be relatively close. The you know the the Vegas line reflects that. You know it's going to be a, a marquee matchup. Things have been different this year for the Chargers under Brandon Staley. What has he shown you through four games that's somehow changed? You know the culture, the vibe ultimately led to them winning these tight games rather than losing. them.
1: Well, it it really is, is just, it's been a breath of fresh air to listen to him, you know, and you know, he's, he said all the right things in the off season. We're going to build around Justin Herbert. We're going to be aggressive, you know, on fourth down, we're going to be, you know, analytically driven. He's very into analytics and he, you know, he has uh, expanded the analytic staff, for the Chargers by about like 300%, which is not even an exaggeration because they didn't have one uh, under the Anthony Lynn. So he's always said the right things, but there, there's always just been like, well, he's a first year head coach. Like we need to kind of wait and see, but he he's put everything, you know, he's put his money on the line and he's lived up to what he said in the off season. And I think the biggest thing is that he really truly believes in his football players. And I think that's the thing so much, you know, what we see so much around the league is that coaches really tell us when they believe in somebody where they don't. And when you have these fourth and sevens, fourth and nines against the chiefs in arrowhead, a lot of coaches go in those situations and they punt or they kick a field goal. And, you know, he has put his money where his mouth is and his belief in Justin Herbert. And that kind of has really, you know, permeated throughout the rest of the charters team. And he believes in all of these guys to, you know, um, carry out their roles to the, the kind of expectations that he has. So um, I think, you know, they finally have a head coach who really seems to believe that they should win every game that they should, you know, attack every single game with aggression and, and play to win and not play to lose. Because that really was the biggest thing with Anthony Lynn and the previous head coach, Mike McCoy is that they were trying to survive the games. They were not trying to go out and actively win, you know, they'd get a lead and they would go conservative. And that's not really been Brandon Staley's M.O. They get a lead and they keep pushing the ball down the field with Justin Herbert and these guys, and they keep blitzing and all this stuff. So it's just been awesome to watch, man. And, you know, Chargers fans can not say enough good things about Brandon Staley
0: right now. He, again, I think reflects a lot of the similar qualities that the Browns have found in Kevin Stefanski, even though one's a defensive coach and one's an offensive coach. The Browns have been aggressive uh, almost to the point that, that Brown's fans are saying they're too aggressive but, uh, but that's <laughs> you know been uh, a total divergence from from what they've seen in previous years and then I think Staley too has a, a sense of calm and, and kind of that that resoluteness it, uh, that I've certainly seen when I've heard him talk in press conferences and, and on shows and things like that where he he has a you know just kind of that quiet confidence uh, about him that then shows up in the game. I think Stefansky's kind of the same way like they don't they don't you know talk a lot uh, kind of between the games but then once it actually gets down to the decision making, they they demonstrate just how confident they are in the players and so that's a, a breath of fresh air for sure. before yeah. we go, Stephen, want to get your prediction on the game here for the fans this game actually opened as the browns as a road favorite by one point. And it has now flipped. The Chargers are now a one to one and a half point favorite. So I don't know if you're a betting man, but but talk to me about just in general your your predictions for the game, how you see this one shaping. Up.
1: Yeah, I think me and you are on the same page in thinking that this is going to be a lower scoring game. You know, I think the Browns are, are going to be able to kind of turn the clock with their their rushing attack and kind of uh, keep Justin Herbert and company off the field. And so it's been. Uh, it's been a fun matchup to talk about, obviously, but I do think it's going to be a low scoring game. Of course, I'm going to pick the Chargers to win, although I do think, it, like I said, it's going to be a close game. Um, so I, I think you know, really, the difference for me is Justin Herbert versus Baker Mayfield. I think that is a big enough advantage for the Chargers where I would pick them because the, out, elsewhere I think this is a very even matchup. Um, you, know, you could talk about like Mike Williams versus not having Jarvis Landry as as another advantage, but. To me, this is a very even matchup across the board. It's just that I trust Justin Herbert more than I trust Baker Mayfield at this point. So I think it's going to be a close game, uh, very physical matchup, low scoring. So I'm going to take the Chargers 20 to 16 in this matchup.
0: I do think that is, you know, if you're talking about Chargers advantages, I do think it's at the quarterback, uh, like I brought up on your podcast. I expect Baker Mayfield to bounce back. Uh, He almost... I, I mean, he almost can't be worse than he was last week, but I do expect him to bounce back. He, he played better than that the first couple weeks from this season. I am feeling more confident about how the Browns match up, particularly on the offensive side of the football. And, and that's why I do think they, they have a good chance in this game is look, their longest touchdown of the season is a 33 yard pass to Demetri Felton. That was thrown about five yards. Other than that, oh, wow. it's been two long run plays They are not necessarily an explosive team by nature. So I think they're okay with the, you know, going against that Brandon Staley style of defense. I think they are going to be able to sustain some long drives. And I expect this one to be close. I expect this one to be low scoring. But I do feel slightly better about the Browns' offense just because of the matchup there than I do about the flip side of the football. Like you mentioned, Justin Herbert scares me. There's no doubt that, that you know, the Browns have not faced a quarterback like him since week one in Patrick Mahomes. And Mahomes was able to move the ball far better than any other quarterback uh, against this Browns defense so far. Sure. But I do think they're rounding into form a little bit. I'll take the Browns in a close one, 24-21 in a game where we're going to look up, Steven, and it's going to be halftime at, at like 2.10. And people are going to wonder <laughs> what is going on, but it's just going to be yeah. one of those games. I have a feeling where both teams are, are on the field for a long time uh, when they have the yeah. ball.
1: Yeah, I do agree with that. And like I said, I, I think the, the Browns will be able to get what they want on the ground. Um, you know, they were the Chargers kind of got torched by the Cowboys. Cowboys rushed for like 200 yards. I'm not expecting it to be that bad uh, this week, but I do think the Browns will get up. You know, past 150 yards between Chubb and Hunt, and like you said, just you know, turn that clock. And uh, keep Justin Herbert off the field, but I think Herbert is is going to be able to maximize those those uh, possessions to a point where you know they'll be they'll be fine. But I think it is going to be a tougher matchup than uh, a lot of people think in terms of taking the under and being low
0: in scoring for sure. Well, and I think uh, one thing that will, that will come into play in this game is just a fourth bounce. Because yeah. it could be a, it could be a game where just like, hey, both coaches go for it two or three times and right. whoever converts those win the game. So like, it might be yeah. just a, a couple plays here or there, which I think, as I said, is reflected in the Vegas line where, where people are a little bit, you know, on, on both sides. Where, where at first it started with the Browns and people were the Chargers. And so we'll see where it ultimately ends up on game day. But I think everybody expects this one to be a close one. So can't wait for it as a matchup. But Steven, before we go, tell everybody, you know, where they can find you ahead of this game. If they're looking for, for anything chargers related, you know, in the lead up here.
1: Yeah. So you can follow the guilty charge podcast on Twitter at GZ podcast 17. Um, we're on YouTube as well. You know, I just interviewed Darius Butler, uh, former NFL defensive back oh, yeah. today. So that was a lot of fun. You can find that on our YouTube channel. Um, and then you can follow me, my personal page at Steven. I Hagland. Um, and yeah, man, I'm just really excited about this one. This, this was a game that I had circled before the season, you know, when the schedule was released, uh, I will be there. Uh, I know that there are a good amount of Browns fans that are going to as well. So, uh, if you, if you see a big guy with a beard and, uh, walking around, come say hi, you know, the thunder alley tailgate section for the chargers is a lot of fun. Um, and if you're on the fence, I would highly recommend going to this game because it is going to be a fun one. Uh, and SoFi stadium is incredible.
0: Yeah, what, one quick note before we sign off, too. I've been impressed by the Chargers fans. I know they were, you know, there were a lot of Raiders fans for that last yeah, game because, yeah. of course, it's L.A. But I'll say in in the other Chargers games that that I've seen at SoFi Stadium, the environment has been really solid, and and there have been plenty of Charger fans making a lot of noise. I know they they took a lot of flack these last couple of years, yeah. uh, you know, in the soccer stadium and having to go with the silent count and all that, but. It, just a shout out to Chargers fans coming through. I think a little bit more than people are uh giving them credit for so far.
1: Yeah, it's been frustrating and it's been a longer term build than I think, you know, we would have liked, but um you know, I was at the Cowboys game and that that was pretty close to 50-50 as you could get um which was it was a really fun environment. Like it, it just really felt like a neutral site game uh which obviously I wish would, you know, the Chargers would have a better home field advantage, but you know, it being 50-50 against the Cowboys was a huge win for the fan base. Um, you know, the Raiders are the Raiders are always going to take over, you know, stadiums in LA. They did the same thing against the Rams for the preseason game, and nobody talked about it, which is really annoying. Um, but it, from everybody that was at the game, you know, they said that it was probably closer to 60-40 than it was the 90% that Steve Young announced to the world on ESPN, which I can't stand. Um, but you know, they were talking about, oh, I've never seen anything like this. It's like, okay, here we go. Um, so it's been frustrating, but, you know, it's been building, right? And I think Justin Herbert, Brandon Staley are, are causing a lot of excitement um, in L.A., back in San Diego, and they've just got to continue to do that. And, um, you know, hopefully it, it you know creates some more buzz around there and brings some more fans to the stands.
0: Well, it should be a a good game for fans to watch on Sunday, including yourself. So, Stephen, thanks so much for joining uh, the show. Really appreciate it. Yeah, man. Happy to do so.